everybody? Hello. My name is Christian. Um, before I start, um, just got to introduce myself, small kind. Um, so I am, I was born and raised in Waianae on um, Oahu. Yep, Sea Rider for life. See, you guys say that. You, you guys say that, but I got to continue my story because you, you guys might be a little bit confused. So I was born and raised in Waianae, okay? A Samoan, born in Hawaii, raised with a bunch of local people. Grew up with my cousin Kimo over there. Uh, like 20 kids, one house, termites, all of that. Grew up in Waianae, no more shower. We had a shower water hose outside, okay? Yes, that's a true story. Okay, but you guys saying right now, wow, he gets some local clout. But I went to school Iolani. Yes. I went to school Iolani. Um, so I drove to town every single day. That's where I went to school. And so all that means is I'm just confused, okay? I don't know if I'm local. I don't know if I'm, I don't know what, I don't have a, you know, weird accent. I don't know. You know, I'm just a confused person. But thankfully, I don't need to talk up here about anything like anything crazy. Today, I get to lean on the Word of God. Okay, so that's what I'm going to talk about today is the Word of God. And, and why is the Word of God so important? And here's why the Word of God is so important. And I know your church believes this because I've been listening to you guys' sermons uh, when uh, Kahuzik asked me to come out here. I've been listening to the sermons that I hear. You guys are a church that believes in the Word of God. And I know that because your pastors preach to you, not uh, good life skills or how to be blessed or anything like that, but the Word of God. The reason is, because if, if I say anything up here that's not in line with the Word of God, you guys have the right to walk out of here and forget everything I just said. But if I preach the Word of God, if what I'm saying is God's written, revealed Word, you guys walk out of here, and I'm telling you guys, one application point for today, believe it. Believe the word of God. And so um, I met Kahu Zeke and Uncle Shannon. Uncle Shannon's my uncle. My uncle Shannon. I met them on an airplane in, um, in Reno. It was interesting. And I found out we were related, so that's awesome. But Kahu Zeke asked me to come out here and preach. And here's how that story went down. So Kahu Zeke came out. He asked me to preach in, in, in Hilo. I'd never been here. I've been to Kona. And everybody in Kona, you know, they look uh, like they came, they're from California. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's what they look like out there to me. Um, and so he asked me, he said, you know, um, I know that the way it went down is he was asking for the, the best-looking preacher. <laughs> and that guy said no. He said no. And so when that guy said no, he said, you know, I, wanna, I want the most godliest preacher, the guy who, who follows God the best. But that guy said no too, okay? And then he said, you know what? Maybe we're just going to go with the best public speaker. Let the, the best public speaker I can get. Let me ask him. And then that guy said no, too. Finally, he came to me, and he said, hey, Christian, come on, man. I need somebody to speak at the church. And I was sitting in my house, and I was like, you know what? I told my wife, I can't keep saying no to Zeke. I got I to gotta go preach. <laughs> anyways, anyways, that's it for today. I'm done. Okay, let's go. Let's all go. Anyways, today I'm going to be in um, Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 through 17. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. And that story talks about Jesus and his baptism. The baptism of Jesus. Okay? And so what I'm going to do right now, I'm just going to read the passage. I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to get going in the Word, and we're going to talk about the Word of God. Um, I don't know if you guys stand for the reading of God's Word. Do you guys do? Stand up for the reading of God's Word. Okay? So let's go. Matthew 3, verse 13. 
Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. All right, you guys can be seated. So we're talking about the baptism of Jesus, okay? And before we read any more about Jesus and his baptism, the one thing I want to talk about, you guys have been in, um, some of you guys have been doing biblical interpretation, hermeneutics. Some of you guys are like, Herman who? Hermeneutics. Okay, it's the study of the Bible, how to interpret the Bible, how we read the Bible, how we understand the Bible. Okay, and one of the tendencies that we have as people is when we read a good story, when we read about the story of Jesus and his baptism, our first thought is, that's a really good example. So our thought is, if Jesus got baptized, I need to go get baptized too. Sometimes we read the story like that. We read the Bible like that. Or we see that um, Jesus, you know, some people go on the other extreme. There are people that exist like this. Jesus walked on water, so I got to do that too. Well, good luck, okay? But the point, the point I'm trying to make is this. We don't read the story of Jesus just as an example for us. If we read the story of Jesus as an example for us, we're going to miss the point that the author is trying to make. We're going to miss the point of what the author is trying, is trying to make. And what is the author trying to, trying to say? What is he trying to communicate? What is the reason that he's telling us about the baptism of Jesus? Well, in Matthew 1.1, he tells us what his book is about. So we just got to go back and read. And the first verse in the book of Matthew, it goes like this. Matthew 1.1, I have a slide for this. Oh, there it is. Yep. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So everybody, what is this book about? Who is it about? What's the main character? Jesus. And who is he? Who does Mark says he, say he is? Son of David and the son of who? Son of Abraham. So what, is, what do you think, if he started with this, with this line, what do you think Matthew is going to try and prove through his telling of the story of Jesus? That he's who? Son of David, son of Abraham. He's trying to prove that. And this story proves that. Okay, it's not just an example for us. Okay, this story tells about a Savior, Jesus Christ, who does what we couldn't. Okay, when he gets baptized, the first thought we shouldn't be thinking is, let's just go get baptized. No, we got to think, we got to look a little deeper into the Word of God to figure out why the baptism of Jesus is important. Because I don't know if you guys are like me, but this is me. When I read the Bible, sometimes I read some stories, I read some genealogies, and I wonder, so what? You guys ever feel like that? Or just me? Okay, just me. All right, amen, lights. Okay. <laughs> me, I read the Bible and I go, what was that about, right? What was that about? That's weird, okay? That's how I feel sometimes. But here's the reason that's important. Because Jesus is living out a story that the people of God couldn't live out themselves, okay? And for, for all of you guys that are sitting here who are wondering, just like me, why is the baptism of Jesus? We're talking about being blessed there's nothing in here about us. There's no application. What, what is this all about? Jesus is just getting baptized. Why didn't Matthew just say, Jesus got baptized, boom, move on? Why does he explain this story in a lot of detail? And here's why. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, there's a verse in Psalm 1. I don't know if you guys heard Psalm 1. It goes like this. Blessed is the man 
As you guys listen to this, this verse, I want you guys to think about, think about yourselves in this picture, okay? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But this blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a stream planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Before we say amen, based on your own works, based on your own life, okay, not based on the imputed righteousness of Christ, based on your own works, based on your own life, who are you in that story? Not based on Christ, not based on his works, based on your own works. Are you blessed? Do you delight in the law of the Lord day and night? I don't. Hard for me to get my Bible reading down. Right, every year I plan to read the Bible, and every year I get through Genesis. Le- Leviticus, kind of hard. Numbers, even worse. Okay? But I read Genesis consistently for the last 10 years. Okay. Right? Think about it, guys. Who are we in that story? Are we blessed? Are we naturally blessed or are we on the other side? Are we sinners in need of righteousness? Are we sinners who are like chaff that the wind drives away? I don't know a lot about you guys, okay? I don't know a lot about you guys. We just met, okay? But I know one thing about you guys. You guys are human beings and so you guys are sinners just like me. And so this psalm is not good news to us if we're to base it on our own works and our own life because none of us meditates on the the law of the Lord day and night. And even if we do, do we delight in it every single day? I can read my Bible, but sometimes I get bored. The blessed man in this psalm is the guy who's delighting in the law of the Lord day and night. The wicked man is the one who sits and sins, and he sits in the seat of scoffers. And guess what happens to that guy? He is like chaff that the wind drives away. He is burned up in judgment. That's heavy stuff for us. There's two types of people in this world. There are people who love and obey God's laws, and there are people who do not. And every single person, like Romans says, right, everyone sins and falls short of the glory of God. So everyone in this room, apart from Christ and his works, are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We're not any better apart from Christ. We're all sinners. We're all jacked up. All of us. And so... That's weird because we're talking about being blessed, right? You're like, oh, we're going to be blessed. Like, oh, I don't know. Let's let's pause a little bit, okay? What we're going to see in this passage, what we're going to see through Jesus Christ getting baptized is that the reason that we're blessed, the only reason, is because God does what we couldn't. Because Jesus comes, and Kahu Marcus preached on this in September. You can listen to him. If you guys don't like this sermon, listen to his sermon on Mark, baptism, same kind of thing, okay? They preach the same thing. You can listen to his. His own was solid, sound, biblical, everything. So if I mess this up, go listen to his, okay? I'm serious. Go listen to his. He's a good preacher, man. You guys got good preachers over here, okay? And think about that, okay? As, as we're reading this story, we are not by nature blessed, and so God had to be the one who was blessed. Jesus Christ lives as the blessed man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Did Jesus sin? No. Did he delight in God's law? Yes. We like food. Jesus said when he was hungry, my food is to do the will of my father. I was like, that's cool, but I got to eat. 
Jesus food. He, he hungered for righteousness. He thirsted for righteousness. Just like we don't do that. And if we don't do that, then we're not blessed by nature. The good news is, through this baptism, we see a picture of how Christ seeks to redeem us and how he seeks to save us and how he seeks to make us blessed ourselves. Okay. And I forgot to pray, so I'm just going to pray right now. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you that even though we fall short of your glory, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to identify with sinners, Lord. He did the unpopular thing at his, during his time, Lord. He came and he, he took on the sin, that we des- the, the punishment of sin that we deserve, Lord. And he sacrificed himself on the cross, Lord, sat under your wrath, and you punished your son for our sin. And we receive righteousness because of that, Lord. Help us to see that today. Help us to see the incredible, the beauty of Christ and the beauty of this thing we call substitution. And help us to see how through Christ we are blessed and not through anything else. And we pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen. All right. So let's start, right? You guys stop talking. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew 3, uh, 13. It's right here on the screen. Um, it says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. When you read that passage, right, it's easy for us to think, ah, Jesus just got up one day, right? Because he... He got up one day, he decided, you know what, I'm going to go to, Jordan, to the Jordan to be baptized by John. We, I just got, like Jesus woke up one morning and was like, you know what, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go, and I'm just going to go get baptized. You know, well, I feel like, feel like getting baptized. We read that story kind of like that, we just pass over it. But here's the thing, the distance between Galilee and the Jordan was like 70 miles. 70 miles. You don't just, back in the day, you don't just get up and go 70 miles, walk 70 miles for no reason, huh? Wow, that's a crazy man. He got up. So Jesus, when he was traveling, must have had a purpose. Because he was in Galilee. That was like a little further north. And he was going to John the Baptist, who was 70 miles about south, baptizing people in the Jordan River. And so John the Baptist was in the south, so he was a southern Baptist. <laughs> All right, that's my plug. That's you guys, yeah? Seven southern Baptist. Okay, anyways, that one went over well. Okay, that wasn't in the script, so, you know. That's for free. Okay. So he came to be baptized. His purpose was to be baptized by John. But here's the thing. What was John's baptism about? What was John's baptism about? It says in Matthew 3, 6, right, that people, when they were coming to be baptized by John, they were coming confessing their sins. The people that came to John came confessing their sins. And then a little later in Matthew 3, 11, it says, John said about his baptism, I baptize you with water for repentance. What does that mean about the people that were coming to John? What kind of people were they? Sinners. We talked about how Matthew, right, was trying to prove that Jesus is this Christ, the Messiah. He's the anointed one. That Jesus is the son of David, right, the the son who would come to rule and reign as king over God's people. And we saw that Jesus was the son of Abraham, right, the son of the promise, the son who would become a blessing to the entire nation. Right? To all the nations. We saw that. Now the question we've got to ask ourselves is, why would Jesus want to be baptized then? Right? That was what sinners did. If Matthew was trying to prove that Jesus is the Messiah, if he was trying to prove that Jesus is the Christ, why would Jesus come and be baptized? We've got to slow down and think about that because Jesus, what he's doing right now is he's identifying with broken people. He's identifying with sinners like me and sinners like you. He's doing what sinners do. And we're going to see why that's important later, okay? We're going, to see, we're going to see how humble Jesus is when he does that, okay? But John recognizes something about Jesus in, in the next 
in the next verse, in, chapter four, in verse 14, it says, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, Jesus, and do you come to me? I need to be baptized by you. So John sees Jesus coming, right? He sees Jesus coming. Jesus is coming down. He walked a long way. He's like me. He's a little bit sweaty, okay? And he comes over to the Jordan, and John sees Jesus, and John says, I ain't baptizing you. There's no way I'm going to baptize you, right? And, and in the Greek, right, that language prevented him. That means that John over and over and over and over again was like, I'm not baptizing you, Jesus. I'm not doing it. Why? Because what are the kind of people that came to be baptized by John? Sinners. What did John know about Jesus? Well, we know from John 1.33 that John didn't, he didn't really know you know, he didn't really know that Jesus was the Messiah until after he's baptized. Until after he's baptized. And think about this. Earlier on in Matthew's gospel, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are there. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were there, and John doesn't baptize them. Why doesn't he baptize them? He doesn't baptize them because he says they're not worthy to be baptized. Why aren't they worthy? Why aren't they worthy to be baptized? It's because they don't acknowledge their sin. Instead, what they do is they rely on their birth. You say, you know, I was born to a good family. I was born to the people of Abraham. I'm an Israelite, and so I'm good. I don't need to repent. And then there are other people, right? Maybe they don't, maybe if you don't, if you're a Pharisee and a Sadducee, maybe you don't rely on your birth for kind of your righteousness, but you rely on other things like your spiritual activities. That's what the Pharisees did, right? They read a lot of the Bible. I come to church all the time. I was at the church car wash. I'm righteous. I serve sometimes. That's what, the, that's what the Pharisees did. And what John says is, you're not going to be right by God by doing any of that. What you got to do is confess your sin. What you got to do is repent. The Pharisees, John refused to baptize them because he, they were not worthy to be baptized. And they weren't worthy because they weren't good enough. None of us are good enough. They weren't worthy because they weren't willing to humble themselves and acknowledge, I'm a sinner in need of repentance. But Jesus is different. John refuses to baptize Jesus because John looks at Jesus and he goes, I'm not worthy to baptize you, Jesus. I'm not worthy to baptize you. How does he know this? Right? Well, John, right, in, in 133, John 133, it says, when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says, I myself did not know Jesus, did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So John had confirmation that whoever he baptized and he saw the Spirit descend, which we're going to see is Jesus Christ, that would be um, the one who he was sent to talk about, okay? And so John didn't really know that Jesus was the Son of God, but John was related to Jesus. That was Jesus' cousin. So can you imagine if you were John growing up and your mom tells you about your awesome cousin Jesus, huh? Like Elizabeth, right? Elizabeth was his mom. And Elizabeth was like, oh, Johnny. When your cousin Jesus was in the womb, his mom came over my house, and you just started jumping for joy in my womb. Can you imagine him growing up and seeing his cousin and just seeing, oh, that guy just is different. He don't sin. He don't sin. I mean, we already feel uncomfortable when we see, you know what I mean, our cousins or people that do a little better than us. We're like, oh, comparing, like, ah, shucks. That guy got a good job. Oh, I don't know. And your parents are like, how come you cannot be more like him? <laughs> that was John's experience. 
John knew that Jesus was perfect, that he was sinless. He saw his life. It's the same reaction that Peter gave, right? And Peter, when Simon Peter, right, in Luke, it says, Luke 5, it says, when Simon Peter saw Jesus, this is Luke 5 now, Simon does not know that Jesus is the Messiah yet. He's just following the guy, or he just met the guy. And what does the guy say? Jesus, it says that Simon, when he saw Jesus, fell at his knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter, at this point, doesn't know much about Jesus, but what he does know, when he compares himself to Jesus, he goes, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. We see that in ourselves, right? John recognizes, right, I'm out of place to be baptizing Jesus. Because as far as John can tell, as far as John knows, Jesus has nothing to repent of. Jesus is perfect. And, and you and I, we meet some amazing people. I met some amazing people over here, people who are smarter, right, more skilled, more intelligent, more accomplished. Right? I played sports, guaranteed better athletes out there. Look at me. You know what I mean? But you know what I've never come across anywhere? Been all over the world. One thing I've never come across is I've never come across a guy who I look, I look at him and I go, that guy's perfect. He don't need to repent. Never did. Everybody I met is a sinner who needs grace. Everybody. And a lot of people speculate, right? They think about, you know, what could, what could Jesus have been doing during his early childhood, right? We don't, we don't see Jesus during when he was a little baby and when he was an adult. We don't see that, that picture. But one thing he wasn't doing is sinning. Jesus was perfect. And if you're sitting here thinking that, oh, you know what, I kind of like Jesus and you're kind of perfect, then you just struggle with pride. Now we know what it is, okay? <laughs> now we know what it is. You struggle with pride, it's all good. Let's repent. All right, let's go to the next verse, Matthew 3.15. It says, but Jesus answered him, and he said, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. What Jesus is saying here, right? Jesus is saying, when John comes and he refuses to baptize Jesus, Jesus is saying, hey, you're right. I don't need to repent. But right now, at this moment, it's important for me to be baptized by you because we are trying to fulfill all righteousness. Now, you guys read that? I read that, and I'm confused. I was like, what does all righteousness mean? What does fulfill all righteousness? Um, and the thing about that is it's like a, it's what I like to call a biblical onion, Choke layers, and if I was to open up all those layers right now, we'd be here for a long time, and we'd start to cry. So we're not going to do that. We're going to pick. We're going to pick some things we talk about. I can't talk about everything. Ask Kyle Marcus after the service, the biblical onion of fulfilling all righteousness. I'm sure he would love to talk to you. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, but here's some of the things that's going on, right? In one sense, Jesus is agreeing with John's ministry. And what was John's ministry about? He was the forerunner to who? Messiah. He was going to pave the way for the Messiah. He was going to proclaim and talk about the Messiah. So when Jesus is submitting himself to baptism, in one sense, in fulfilling all righteousness, he is submitting himself to John's baptism. He is affirming or agreeing with the baptism of John, which would mean he's agreeing that John is the forerunner to the Messiah. That's one sense that he could be talking about this. All right? Another sense, and a more simpler sense, is that Jesus is just saying, hey, this is God's will right now, and if it's God's will, no questions asked, I'm going to do that. I think Francis Chan used this, this um, illustration before. He's a pastor. And he said, if God said all Chinese people, no offense, Joe, if all <laughs> Francis Chan is Chinese. That's why he said that. But he said, if God said in the Bible, Chinese people, stand on your head, that's my will, then he's like, I'm going to try and stand on my head. Okay? 
That's just a quick thing that no matter what God says, what Jesus could be saying right now is fulfilling all righteousness means doing the will of God. Even if it's awkward, we've got to do the will of God right now. Could be that. But I think one of the most important things that he's talking about when he says fulfill all righteousness is what he's saying is I need to identify with unrighteous people so that I can live out and earn the righteousness that they don't, de- they don't deserve. Because Jesus was righteous. He don't need more righteousness. But who needs more righteousness? The sinful people that were coming to be baptized, people like you and me, need righteousness that we don't have. And that righteousness comes from Jesus Christ. He took on human flesh to become like us, to live like a man, to be tempted just as we are, and yet without sin. Jesus Christ fulfills all righteousness by identifying with sinful people. Now, what does John say about the coming Messiah in his ministry, right? He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And listen to this, his winnowing fork. Think about where you are if you are unrighteous. This is what John says. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn away with unquenchable fire. Remember Psalm 1? The chaff that the wind drives away. That's us, burned with unquenchable fire. This does not sound like good news to me, initially, okay? Because if God was coming to burn up the chaff, and we're left there by ourselves, and we are the chaff, ultimately we deserve to be destroyed, right? John says that the Messiah will come with his winnowing fork. But here's the thing, that sounds horrible. That sounds horrible, but but it's not horrible. And here's why. It's not horrible because... Jesus Christ right here, when he comes onto the scene, what does he do? Does he come immediately with his winnowing fork to burn up the chaff? Bro, he comes and identifies with sinners. Jesus Christ identifies with the chaff, like you and me. He comes and he becomes like one of us. And if we're going to base our righteousness on our own works, then we're going to get burned up. But here, Jesus Christ comes and he steps into our world. He becomes just like the sinners that were coming to John in need of repentance. And he gets baptized for us. He fulfills all righteousness. Now, for himself, he don't need that. He fulfills all righteousness on our behalf. He identifies with sinners. And think about this, right? The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, 11, he says this. By his knowledge, the knowledge of the anointed one, the righteous one, my servant, will make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. So when Jesus is saying to John, what he's saying, he's saying it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness, and he's taking that big step in identifying with unrighteous people, and he's displaying his complete obedience to God. And think about this, guys. When Jesus Christ steps onto the scene to get baptized, who's around him? Is he just by himself with him and John? No, who's around him? A bunch of sinners, yep, but also the religious leaders, right? The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the political leaders. So when Jesus is in the water, those guys, imagine, they're kind of far away, so they can't hear everything that's going on. But what do they see when Jesus steps into the water? They just see, they don't know who Jesus is, right? But what do they see? Another sinner. By all accounts, by all, the only thing that you can see if you were there and you saw a bunch of people getting baptized and you saw another guy get baptized and you saw another guy step in, that's Jesus, you would think, that's another sinner. Right? All he looks like is another sinner. Guys, 
What was the biggest, one of the biggest charges for Jesus when he was on this earth? What did the, the religious leaders say about him? Why do you eat and drink with sinners and tax collectors? Jesus was aligning himself with the most sinful, broken people of the world. But sometimes in church, sometimes we come to church, we get saved, and all of a sudden we feel like, can't talk to those guys anymore. When Jesus comes down, guys, we aren't willing to do what Jesus did for us. We aren't willing to hang out, to have fellowship with unbelievers at some point. Because we forget that Jesus Christ, when he came down, he identified with us. And he didn't identify with people that loved him. They didn't love Jesus. They weren't righteous first, and then they went hang out with Jesus. They hated him. They hated Jesus. Jesus came to the people that hated him. He loved them. Loving people to the glory of Christ. That's you guys' motto, right? Let's live that out. Let's live that out. 